Now, if you haven't heard about microdosing yet, where have you been? Hanging out with the mirrored men. Well, I'm here to tell you how tonight's sponsor, Microdose Gummies, deliver the perfect entry-level doses of THC and CBD for people who want to feel just the right amount of good without getting high from just one microdose. Now, Microdose Gummies help me and so many others with insomnia and anxiety, as well as pain management, workout recovery, and much, much more. My favorite time to take them is when I'm ready to chill out at the end of a long day. Now, I've had an opportunity to sample all of their delicious flavors, and i got to say they're amazing. You can tell that they're made with real Oregon-grown berries. Now, I'm not going to gloss over the fact that this product does contain THC, but before you tense up, know that microdose gummies are legal everywhere in the United States. So if you could use some more chill vibes in your life, why not give them a try? Microdose is available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code MONSTERSAMONGUS to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show notes. But again, that's microdose.com and the code Monsters Among Us. Now, as always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thank you for listening. Back to those three men standing in the yard. get to the bottom of this. Several men in black out on the roads at night, sometimes stepping right out in front of cars. Reports of one and two, but for the most part, it's three. Three similar looking men are observed to move in a synchronized fashion. It's usually two or three men together. Usually they're dressed in similar clothes, usually black. According to witnesses, men dressed in black trench coats and capes have been standing beside roadways and parks at night. But each one of them had the same jerky movement when they were walking. Somehow I lost like five and a half six hours. I see three men all walking in step. As if the witness was looking at a mirror image. And they were walking down the street side by side, like in unison. The three dark figures. I saw these three thieves. I'm pretty sure it was three or four men standing in unison. Within five seconds of looking at them, they saw me. 
This incident seems very reminiscent of the Mirrored Men phenomenon. Mirrored Men. Derek Hayes over at Monsters Among Us podcast has spent years detailing cases involving strange shadowy figures that move in unison. Have you ever heard of a phenomenon called Mirrored Men? Mirrored Men. I had somehow, somewhere, lost about three or four hours. The Mirrored Men is a term coined by Hayes to describe a relatively new phenomenon. Then pay more attention to the Mirrored Men, the more and more I hear. The Mirrored Men. The Mirrored Men. Hayes nicknamed them the Mirrored Men. I know Mirrored Men. Mirrored Men that mirrored men story I've been hearing so much about. I had never had an encounter with mirrored men until about eight months ago. And they call them mirrored men because their movements mirror one another. I never knew mirrored men existed. You guys were talking about a phenomenon called mirrored men. Mirrored men. Our famous mirrored men. A little bit more popular than I originally thought they were. The mirrored men. If you ever see three men moving in a funny sort of way, all the same. Spoken about so often on Derek Hayes' Monsters Among Us podcast. Look away and walk away. Calm as you can. Look away and walk away. Calm as you can. Look away and walk away. Look away and walk away. Calm as you can. Look away and walk away. installment of Monsters Among Us. I will be your guide this evening. My name is Derek Hayes. And back in mid-April of 2016, I shared a call on what was then a fledgling little podcast called Here There Be Monsters. The call was submitted by a friend of mine, made upon my urging. You see, my friend Matt used to share this story with me when we were in college. A story that creeped me out. And early on in the show's existence, I didn't get submissions even half as frequently as I do now. So I asked them to help me out. And Matt, being the good guy that he is, called in, shared his story. It made the episode, and foolishly, I thought that might be the end of it. But within days... We had received an additional half-dozen entries or so that seemingly detailed an eerily similar scenario. Three identical men, occasionally two, walking in perfect unison, often described as wearing out-of-date clothing or sometimes simply dark cloaks. Their faces have been described as stretched or exaggerated. They often appear in rural settings, parks, empty streets large suburban yards and they tend to show up during abnormal weather events 
rainstorms, blizzards, fog, full moons, etc. And when they look at you, that's when the real terror takes hold. When they turn their gaze toward you, which they almost always do, in unison no less, it seems to bring with it some sort of tranquilization effect. Because witnesses often claim to lose hours of consciousness the moment they lock eyes with the terrifying trio. Now I began referring to this phenomenon as the mirrored men. And it seems the name has stuck. And the stories continue to flow in. Back on Season 7, Episode 15, I produced a special episode devoted to this odd new phenomenon. And tonight... I'm here to deliver a follow-up. Because believe it or not, the mirrored men calls just keep coming. So in lieu of our regularly scheduled programming, I bring to you tonight's special presentation. Enigmatic Entities. The mirrored men special part two. And to kick us off this evening, I thought it prudent to begin where we started. Now here's Matt's original call all the way back from on Season 1, Episode 3. Matt from Cleveland. Welcome back to the program. Hey, I just want to tell you thanks first and foremost for letting me uh, tell the story here. Forgive me if a few of the details are a little bit fuzzy, but it was about 20 years ago, a little over 20 years ago. However, what I did see still sticks with me, and it still kind of freaks me out to this day. So like I said, this was about 20, maybe even 21 years ago. I was uh, wasn't even quite yet a teenager. My family had just moved from our old house to a newer house, to a, well, it was a brand new house. It was just built. But the development itself was still uh, very incomplete. A lot of dirt lots, you know, basements already kind of dug out, construction stuff all over the place, and kind of like that. You know, definitely a safe place for a young kid to go run around and be an idiot in. Anyway, this would have been maybe after their first full year in the house of, uh, it must have been early summer, maybe even late spring. Um, I just remember it was warm out. I was dead asleep in my room, but like just suddenly I had like this urge. I felt like very compelled to wake up. Not like in a, a jumpy sort of way, like something startled me, but I was just very alert and uh, very awake. This is a little bit after 2 a.m. And uh, I also felt compelled to go walk over to one of my bedroom windows. So I walked over and I sort of crouched down so I could see uh, out the window a little bit better. There were some trees in our front yard. They're probably gone now, but um, there's some trees in our front yard that blocked my view a little bit. But you could still kind of see all the way down to the corner down the street. Probably can't now. There's obviously, like I said, this was a, a new development at the time. There weren't many houses then, but now your view would probably probably be blocked from the same window. So anyway, as I'm peering down, looking at this corner, I see three figures walking away from my house. They're maybe two to 300 feet away, somewhere in that range, and kind of moving, uh, like I said, moving away from the house. So I'm watching them for a long moment, and I don't know why. Like I, I just, Like I said, I just woke up and felt compelled to kind of go over the window and take a peek out. And as I'm watching these figures, I notice that I just can't glean any detail. I mean, there's even a street light kind of down the street a ways, but it's just like it's not enough light for me to make out exactly what or who or what was walking down the street. 
but I could see more or less the dark outlines of like people. But it was really strange. Uh, as I was watching them, I noticed that they were all moving in unison, like almost like perfectly synced together. They're sort of in like a, not quite a straight line, almost like an angled line uh, walking down well, what would become the sidewalk, but uh, it was just kind of like a dirt path at the time. And they were also very, very slow. Even though they were moving kind of constantly, it didn't seem like any of their movements were in any kind of hurry. They just sort of almost like glided down the street. So I'm watching them for a very long moment, and all three of them stop. And I don't know how to explain it. it. Even though I couldn't really make out any detail, I could tell that they all sort of turned their heads to look at me. There's nothing else on the street. There's no cars, no other people walking around. Like I said, it was new development. There wasn't much really out by where we lived at that point in time. And uh, all three of them at the same time, though, like I said, they moved in unison. They craned their heads, at least as far as I could tell, to look at me. I, I don't know if you can make eye contact with something that can't really see a face on, but I feel like we made eye contact for a moment. Whatever I was looking at, they knew that I was watching them, and they were watching me there for that, for that long, long moment. So anyway, as I'm kneeling there, I just kind of remember blinking and kind of going blank, blink again, and I'm leaning face first against my window in that exact same position I was kind of kneeling there before. But it's now about 9 o'clock, maybe just before 9 o'clock. All three of them, all three of the figures, turned around, uh, craned their necks around to look at me. And like I said, they all moved in unison so I could kind of see the movements happening at the same time. We had that weird moment where I knew they were watching me and they knew I was watching them. And it was just kind of a weird, kind of tense moment. I didn't know what to do. I just kind of sat there and just kept staring. And then uh, everything just kind of went blank, like not in like a pass out kind of way. I just felt like a very long blink. And when I opened my eyes again, I was still in the same position, kind of kneeling down, looking at the window. My face was like pressed up against the glass in the window. And then instead of 2 a.m., it was just about 9 a.m., uh, maybe just a little before 9 a.m. I had blinked and misplaced about seven hours worth of time. It was in daylight, obviously. There was you no. Know, weird figures at the end of the street by the corner uh still really freaks me out actually you know 20 years later like i said some of the details are maybe a little bit off and you know, i don't know how far away they were or you know what time of year it was necessarily but I, I still remember that moment when they turned around and looked at me knowing that i was watching them still kind of runs chills up my spine anyway thanks for letting me tell a story hopefully i don't experience anything like that ever again Hi, Derek. My name's Marnie, and I just recently heard your Mirrored Men's special. And I was really blown away because the original storyteller happens to be my little brother. And I had no idea about any of that that happened to him. But what strikes me as the whole situation being very interesting is that when he was describing where we lived. He didn't tell you that when we moved there, the road did not go all the way through like it does now. And so there was only one way in and one way out of where we lived for quite a few years. And the rest of the block we lived on was not developed. So for him to see these three men or entities or whatever they are outside, it just blows my mind. 
and um, he doesn't have experiences like this. So, I mean, I can verify that this is a genuine experience for him. And that's all I wanted to share for right now. I have a few experiences myself, but yeah, I am just, I'm really taken back and really shocked that that happened to him. All right, thanks. Thank you, Matt and Marnie both. Now, I've been sitting on Marnie's call for a long time now, just waiting for this episode. And I'm extremely relieved to finally have played it here on the show. And I've been in touch with Matt recently, and he's expressed interest in joining me for an extended interview, if that's something you guys might be interested in. Maybe that's something we'll post up over at Patreon or something. Be sure to let me know if that interests you. And folks, this is just the tip of the iceberg. I have a mountain of mirrored men mythology to mull over. So please join me in welcoming from Season 9, Episode 7, Caitlin, out of the cowboy state of Wyoming. Hi, Derek. My name is Caitlin, and I'm from Rock Springs, Wyoming, and where this happened. My story is about the mirrored men. I really didn't know about the mirrored men until I started listening to your podcast. And I've been listening to your podcast for like a very long time now. By the way, I love the show. So how it started was when I was about, I want to say, eight or nine years old. Me and my family just moved here from Washington. So I love the rain. And so when it finally started to rain around like May, April-ish, my brother had a really good view of this thunderstorm that was going on. And so I was like, can I sit in your room and chill and watch the thunderstorm? And he was like, yeah, but I'm going to go to bed now, just so you know. And I was like, all right. So I just sat by his window, no chair, nothing. I just just stood on my knees and then put my elbow on the window and started looking out the window and the rain died down a little bit. So then I start seeing these three men walking at the like same pace with like synchronized with each other with suits that all looked alike and even their haircuts even looked alike too and I was thinking hmm that's a little bit weird to that there's three like young looking maybe early 20 year olds walking out in the rain or after the rain died down because there's not really you know that much bars around and I was like huh well, I can't wait to be older and, you know, be 20, 21 and walking around whenever I want. And I kept looking at them and I was hoping one of them would like, I don't know, stop or something because they were like so synchronized. I was like, hmm, that's that's cool, I guess. And one of them on the very left, the left man, turns around just to his head a little bit and looks at me and at this time it was at like 11 p.m at night and he looks at me and all of a sudden i wake up and it's 7 a.m in the morning the sunrise is coming up and i'm still looking at the window with my elbows on the window and my palm under the knees on my chin and i was like whoa how did that happen so quickly because I'm the one that always loves sleep. Like, I love sleep so much that I would have not just have sat there the whole seven, eight hours that I was looking at there without 
going to bed. Like, because I'm like a light sleeper like that. And so I thought it was like really weird because I was like, hmm, all right, all right. So I went back to bed and then I woke up the next morning and I told my mom about it. And she just kind of, you know, just like brushed it off. Like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. And I was like, hmm, that's kind of weird. And so years later, I'm 21 now. And I was listening to your podcast about the mirrored men. I was like, oh my gosh, that is so crazy. I I guess I've had an experience with them. Yeah, that's my story. Thank you so much for listening to me. And I love your podcast. And mirrored men is my favorite thing now. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you, Caitlin. Now that is what we call a textbook example. The call met all six of my quote-unquote guidelines for a true mirrored men case. Two were usually three men. Synchronized movements. Missing time. Strange clothing. Bad or unusual weather. And eye contact made by the entities. Now Caitlin here collected all six. So congratulations, Caitlin. And thank you again for calling in. Now, before we share our next entry, please remember, if you have a story to share on the program, a true story, a true mirrored men story, perhaps, then call our hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-NIGHT. Now, here's the funny thing about mirrored men encounters. Not everyone that's had one even realizes it. How many of you remember Catherine's entry that took place in Utah? Well, here she is again, out of the state of Washington. Hi, Derek. This is Catherine calling from Washington State. This happened back in September when I was on a trip with my boyfriend down in southern Utah um, near Moab, the Canyonlands area, specifically the Needles Campground, the Needles District Campground. There's a few districts of Canyonlands, if you're familiar with that area. So we were walking to the bathroom. It was a full moon. The bathroom was probably about 200 feet away from our campsite. And the campsites in that campground are on a little road. So everyone walks on the road to the bathroom, but most people had campers, you know, so they they weren't using the restrooms, just a few people were. So it wasn't a super popular place, but you'd see someone come up every now and then. And our campsite was one of the closer ones to the bathroom. Okay, so we're walking to the bathroom. We get there. The men's comes up first on your left and the women's is a little bit further down on the left in between is like a wash station. So my boyfriend turns off to go to the men's restroom. Right then I see, and I've kind of seen them before that, three figures walking on the road. And I can see them because of the moonlight. We had headlamps on, but we just left them off because if you've been to Utah, when it's a full moon, you can see everything. I mean, it's really easy to see. So you really just need the headlamp for the bathroom, which is dark. And so I see these three people and I am a very cautious person. So him and I are out in the wilderness a lot. I just like to keep tabs on people around me, what's going on. So I turn on my headlamp to go into the bathroom and I just kind of 
lightly flash it up just to see these three people to see like if I recognize them. I also was kind of curious about talking to a park ranger. And it was a little bit weird to see three people walking because like I said, you'd see like one person, maybe two, but hardly ever come to the bathroom. And they were walking towards an end of the campground that didn't have very many sites. I think there was like two sites down there. So as I shine my light up, I don't see them anymore. So I brought my light back down really quickly, turned it off, and I look over and I can see them again in the moonlight. And now I'm looking closer and it almost looks like they're wearing the same thing or they they like all three look alike. And they're walking across the road and there's like shadow on the left side of the road where the bathroom is because there's tree cover. But you can see the full road in the moonlight. There's just shadow to the left. And then to the right of the road, from my perspective, is like kind of flatter desert terrain. So you can see out there with no trees. Okay, so I turn my light on again because now I'm kind of creeped out. And I shine it at them. And I know that that's not very good etiquette for in a campground. So I felt kind of bad about that. But I was like a little bit creeped out. And I shine it on them. And I realize I can see them now but they're all wearing black. Like their faces are covered in black. They're wearing black. They're, and they're holding something in their hand, one of them. So that really creeps me out even further. I turn my light off again because I can almost see them better in the moonlight. And now I realize when my light is off, they are running towards me. When I turn my headlamp on again, I see them stop and hold perfectly still. So because I'm still not really sure what I'm seeing, I turn my light off again to see them in the perspective of the moonlight again. And I can see them moving quickly towards me. You know, like, I don't know if they were like full sprint, but they were definitely walking really quickly and moving quickly, but maybe kind of quietly. And again, I can see that one of them in their hand has something like a baseball bat but it looks more like a club I mean I don't know if I'm just imagining that because it was kind of scary but that's what it looked like maybe a big water bottle I don't know and so I turn my light back on and this is all happening really quickly you know because I'm pretty freaked out and I started backing up at this point towards the men's side of the restroom which is a little not far but maybe like 30 feet or so from the women. So I shine my light on and I just leave it on and I'm looking at them and I can see them holding still. I can see like where their eyes are, but I can't really see their eyes very well, just kind of where they would be on this like black mass. And the best I can describe their clothing was it looked like it was built to like move in. It looked like it was maybe like military kind of style, not necessarily military, actual military wear, but that style where it's like built to like be stealthy and like hold things and be able to move easily in where it like fits you well and isn't baggy at all. So that's the best way I can describe their clothing. And it was all black. And for some reason, when I shine my light on them, they just completely stopped moving. So that was how I created distance between us just left my light on, kept my back towards the men's restroom, backed up, called out my boyfriend's name a bunch of times. Meanwhile, from a campsite on the other side of the bathroom towards the women's, a man came walking out. And I don't think he even saw these people because you know how a headlamp makes you only see what's in your direct line of vision. And he had a headlamp on, so I don't even think he saw what I was looking at. 
and he walked by me. Meanwhile, my boyfriend came out. I turned to him. I say, oh my God, oh my God, you know, you need to see this. And I was like, I'm like kind of freaked out. And of course, by the time he listens to what I'm saying and me like look over there, these three people were gone. I would describe them as athletic build. I don't think they were like anything paranormal. I don't know. I just thought it was one of the strangest things I've ever experienced. I guess the best way I could explain it is they felt very ordinary. It's just their actions didn't make any sense. And I felt extremely threatened. And one of the weirdest things about this moment was there was something in my head that told me, just get to where you're with someone because they won't mess with you if you're with someone. And I don't know if that's just my own mind telling me that I'll be safe if I'm with my boyfriend hoping, but that's really what my intuition was screaming at me. And I never saw them again. I walked to the bathroom plenty of times by myself, never saw this. I've never heard of anything like this. I looked it up. I know Utah's kind of a weird place, but again, three people dressed in all black, walking from a part of the campground where it's like the, the wilderness, the entrance to the wilderness. There's um, actually a trailhead right there. Please, someone help me. I have no idea what this was. Thanks, Derek. Thank you, Catherine. Now, that story originally aired on Season 13, Episode 13. And remember that detail about one of the figures holding a long object in its hands. Because that's going to come up again near the end of the episode. Now, Catherine obviously hadn't heard of the Men legend prior to sharing her report. But since then, she's found out all about these bizarros from the beyond. And judging by a subsequent call that she made... She seems pretty uneasy about the entire concept. Hi, Derek. This is Catherine calling back from Washington State about my Utah story with three dark figures in the road. After processing that story, I actually went back and listened to a bunch of your earlier episodes, and I came across your Mirrored Men episode. Now, you mentioned that in this last episode of Monsters Among Us, and I believe that that is the closest definition of what happened. Something I left out of the story, well, two things, was the fact that they were all moving perfectly. It was as if I was watching three people who had this mind in a way, and I have a journal entry from that time that was before the Mirrodman episode that explains this really well. The other thing is I had a almost primal instinct that I called intuition that this was a very dangerous situation and that I needed to where other people could see me specifically. I don't know if maybe that prevented any time loss or some of these other things that people have experienced, but I'm really thankful for that extremely strong voice within that told me exactly what to do, how to get away from these things, because I had a serious feeling of dread when seeing them. Again, they were all black. There was no definition of their face or like where their face met their clothing or anything like that. No eyes, no, you know, nose or mouth or anything. 
so who knows what I was seeing. Um, the other thing is that it was a full moon, which I did hear in at least one of the other mirrored men's stories. So even though there wasn't a crazy weather phenomenon, it was a full moon and that aligns to like I said, one of the other stories in that episode. So thank you so much for sharing. I love being a Patreon member and I'm very thankful for your podcast. It's a wonderful place to be heard and also hear other people uh, share their incredible experiences. So thank you, Derek. Now this evening's next entry originally aired on season 12, episode 13. Please welcome Ray. Back to the program. Hey, Derek. So, my name is Ray. Uh, I left you a story before about an encounter I had when I was younger in the Philippines. You aired it back in season two. Well, I was just listening to a story about the married men, and I've been listening to your podcast since about the beginning. And I, I don't know why it just clicked now. I don't know why the memory just came to me, but I was just listening to a story about Strawberry Peak, about how um, a man and his friends, and they had a woman in their group who encountered some mirrored men in the fog. Well, back in Guam, when I was about, I'll say probably 10 years old, it was uh, early 2000s, 2001, 2002. I recall being at the beach one night with my mother, my dad. My dad had a small little Mazda truck. So it was a single cab Mazda truck. It had a center bench, so all three of us sat, could fit in it perfectly. Well, one night we were coming home from a family get together. I'd say it was probably around uh, 10 o'clock at night. Decided to drive to the beach because a family friend was there. So my dad parked the car on the on the sand, and um, my mom and I stayed in the vehicle. We stayed in the truck. My dad said he wouldn't take any more than I don't know, like 10 minutes. So my mom and I were just sitting there. We turned the truck off because we didn't want to waste gas. So. I just recall we were sitting in there, just relaxing, waiting on my dad. Eventually, my mom fell asleep. So we got to the beach at 10. I'd say my mom fell asleep probably around 10 minutes after we got there. So I'd say 10, 10. All I can recall is I was watching the shore. The moon was a very vibrant light just casting over the shoreline. The way the, the waves crashed against the shore hypnotic, it's mesmerizing, the way the moonlight just bounces off radiant water, just creates this shine, this glow, it's very, very distinct, you can see everything that happens on the water, every single wave, every single ripple, you can see it all, and I think that's what makes this memory so, so vivid. I recall there was a light from I want to say it was probably a public works building. I was watching the shore. My mom was asleep. She dozed off and she laid across the bench. I just remember sitting right in front of her and between her legs, you know, I was a small kid. And 
we were able to get comfortable in our, in our small little truck. I saw these shadows. They looked like shadows walking up the shoreline. I want to say there were three of them. About three distinct shadows just walking. The shadows were casted on the shore and the shadows were up against the water as well. So these were some long shadows. I didn't see what was casting the shadows. There were coconut trees in the way, but I could see the little the little public works building. I could see the light, but I couldn't see the portion of the shore where someone would be standing if their shadow was cast. All I know is we were there, we were parked. My mom was asleep and it was 10-10 because that's when she fell asleep. My dad said he'd be back in 10 minutes and I'm watching these shadows and it almost felt like a mirage. It, it almost felt like a dream. It was so weird, but the reason I knew it wasn't a dream was because I was watching the water, I was watching the shore and I was watching these shadows move. And I was in an upright position, and I recall sweating. I, I just had this, this sense of anxiety. Like, I couldn't take my eyes off these shadows. I had to watch them. I had to make sure they didn't leave. I had to make sure they didn't just disappear and vanish. They were just there, just dancing, all three of them. It, it looked like three people walking towards you, like their shadows were walking towards you, all making the same movement, arms, legs, it looked almost like military marching, but you know, I didn't see the people casting them. But the thing that scares me about thinking it, my theory why I took so long to recall this, I, I think of this memory every now and then, but I think of it for a second and I stop because it was just so weird and it was so long ago. But I recall my dad opening the driver's side door and I looked at him and then I looked at the clock and he goes, sorry, it took so long, but we can go now, the party's over. And the clock says it was about 1 a.m. So, I was watching three shadows do the exact same thing, marching towards me on the shore when nobody appeared for three whole hours. It was one o'clock. My mom was dead asleep. My dad opened the door and it went from 10.10 to one o'clock. How does that happen? The background of the memory is beautiful radiance of the moonlight bouncing off the waves on the shore, the way the ocean just sat there calm and peaceful with these shadows bouncing off the water, with these shadows being projected onto the sand and shore and how vivid it all was and how the memory seemed like it was so short the reality of the moment was it took three hours for my brain to record all that when it felt like I was only looking at the shadows for 
no longer than maybe a few minutes. What felt like a few minutes translated into three hours, I don't know. Um, Derek, I hope you have a good time with your podcast, and I'm always listening. I'm always listening to your podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Ray. Now, Ray had mentioned the Philippines, although his story actually took place in Guam. But let's face it, there's nothing close to Guam. So I'm hanging on the Philippines part because in my research, I found a Filipino legend that is eerily similar to that of the Mirrored Man. The Kamukatuk. Imagine it's the middle of the night. You're in your bed just about to sleep. Then you hear knocking on your door. You're confused as to who comes in the middle of the night when people are supposed to be sleeping. So you look out the window and you see three hooded people in front of your door. Their faces can't be seen because of the hoods, but you could make out that one of them is female and the other two male. Hesitating to open the door, you get your phone and start it to dial for the police, but then you notice them turn around, walked away, and disappeared into the distance. The trio knocking on your door is the Kumakatok. But why are they scary? Well, apparently, they are a bit like the Banshee from the Irish folklore, which means if they are around, someone will die. Especially someone from the household that was targeted. Now that clip courtesy of Monster Files over YouTube. And obviously we don't have an exact match here. There are three figures, but one of them is a woman. and There's no missing time or eye contact or any of that stuff. But I thought there were a few details in there that were, at least, worth me mentioning. And that's the thing about this phenomena. The Mirrored Men mythos seems to beg borrow and steal from several different subgenres of the paranormal. One of the more popular explanations for the activity is that it's somehow related to the Fae. Fairies, we folk, people of the forest, the ancient ones. Now, I'm not so certain the physical descriptions match up with these mostly European legends, but it is said that they have shape-shifting abilities, and there is one element that both the Fae and the Mirrored Man have in spades. Missing time. There's a way of seeing all kinds of relationships between humans and fairies as alibis for other things. So, for um, I always think that the very persistent myth of the lost time in the fairy hill, mm. where you're captured by the fairies on a dark night and taken away to fairyland, you think it's for a night you spend there feasting and dancing, and, and in fact you come back after seven years. That provides an alibi for all sorts of convenient disappearances. Well, there, are, there are jokey versions of this, particularly in Irish, that people sort of say, no, no, I wasn't drunk last night, I was taken away by the fairies, and this is regarded as quite hilarious. That clip courtesy of the BBC4 radio program, In Our Time, and a link to the full episode can be found in the show notes. And of course, they're discussing the long-held belief that pixies or fairies, the little folk, would steal people away oftentimes encouraged to party, drink, and dance the evening away. But at the end of that evening, when they are to return home, they realize that seven years had passed overnight. That's some serious missing time. Pixie lad, 
is what some people call it. And could this be a similar effect given off by the mirrored men? Do they lead their victims off, but in lieu of joy and celebration, they treat their victims to fear and emptiness? Greetings, paranormal lovers. Bigfoot here. And if you want to catch a glimpse of me and my fellow monsters 24-7, be sure to tune in to Sundown 96.6 FM an online radio station available worldwide on the Apple and Android apps, as well as at sundown966.com. You can catch spooky music, vintage commercials, as well as Monsters Among Us on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. Come download our apps for uninterrupted, scary access. There's nothing to be afraid of. The Mirrored Men influence is beginning to be felt all over. The piece you're hearing right now is called March of the Mirrored Men, a thrilling piece by artist Icon Dark, inspired by the Mirrored Men legend. Of course, you can find a link over at the show notes. I mean, it's the perfect music to chase someone to. Just saying. Now, another commonly accepted explanation for these harbingers of horror is that they're simply a figment of the human imagination, manifest through dreams, hallucinations, or sleep paralysis, and perhaps supported by calls like this brand new entry from an anonymous caller out of the state of Georgia. Hey, I just found your podcast like today a few hours ago I've listened to a few episodes while I'm doing homework and I think I'm gonna start binging you but I listened to a few mirrored men stories and I googled it and I I realized I've had an encounter with them I or the men in black like whatever it's all kind of the same to me so I was going through a really tough time last year I wasn't there. I was having, like, a lot of health issues. But I just remember always, like, feeling paranoid, like somebody's watching me. I remember doing all this research about aliens and stuff like that and cryptids. Like, I just found it very interesting, and a lot of it made sense to me and, like, past lives and stuff. And I started to share what I was learning with people and, um, you know... My health wasn't good, so I uh, dropped out of college, went back to my parents' house and recovered there. And one night, I remember having a dream where the men in black, I was begging them not to hurt my dog, and they were picking her up by the tail and threatening to break her spine. And I begged them, I told them I'd shut up, I'd do anything. And then I woke up, and I sweat. So I go down the back stairs to the kitchen because I felt like something was off. I was hearing noises, and I was like, I got to protect the house. So there's a hallway going to the front door to the kitchen. And I remember, and we have a seat through the front door. So I remember seeing a hat and a man standing there. And I just, I was paralyzed. I, I can't describe how I felt in that moment. And 
I saw another one. I started slowly walking over there, and I was like, I'm crazy, I'm crazy, it's nothing. But I remember the middle one just being, just how, it was, I, I can't describe it. It was terrifying, I'm freaked out just talking about this right now. And I remember I just seeing like a silhouette, like light slowly going on their faces, and I was freaked the f- out. Like they were, it wasn't, they were solid. They were not see through or anything. So I was, I freaked out. I, I thought people were trying to break in and kill me. I mean, that's how I felt. Like three solid men in hats standing at my front door. I run up to my dad's room, and I tell him to get the gun and. He checked the cameras. Nobody was there, and uh, it's freaked me out ever since. But the description of them, just like how you described it in recent episodes, it scared the shit out of me. I'm still freaked out. But I'm in the suburbs outside of Atlanta. Love your show. Just started learning how to use the podcast app. But anyway, keep doing what you do. Bye bye. Thanks, caller. And I hope that your health is improving. Now, it turns out that our Georgia caller isn't the only one to have dreamt of or envisioned these synchronized specters. Please welcome Justin from California. And from back in Season 8, Episode 18. Hi, Derek. My name is Justin from San Diego, California. This story I have to tell you actually takes place in North Carolina in a small town called the Outer Banks. It actually comes from that mirrored men story I've been hearing so much about. And it's really funny. I heard that and it brought back this memory I haven't had in years. I was about eight years old in the Outer Banks and I was in this small gated community where all of the houses are very close to each other, you know, a normal gated community. I was on the third story in my room, and the third story looks over the front of the house, which is about 30 feet to the road. Well, it was a dream, but it's insane how how close these things matched people's description. There were these, these hunchbacked creatures that had cloaks and hoods, and you couldn't see their faces. It was three of them, just like everybody had said. It, it freaks me out to this day hearing that. The three of them walked down the street and they were walking, you know, I don't remember if it was that slow motion walk everybody talked about, but it was, they walked down the street. The dream, I was barely sticking my head out over the windowsill and I see these three cloaked figures and of course I see them uh, and within about five seconds of looking at them, they saw me and they stared at me and uh, the next thing I remember, it was, it was morning, you know, I'm, I'm, 90% sure this was a dream. You know, I don't even know if you could use this on your podcast because it's not much, but I thought it'd be worth sharing my experience. And uh, I'll have more to bring to you. I actually spent a lot of time living up in Idlewild, which is in the San Bernardino Forest, as you would probably know. So I have some uh, stories to tell you from there soon. But I just wanted to, you know, put that out there and let you know. Thanks, Derek. I love your podcast and listening since season one. Can't wait to hear more. Talk to you later. And another new submission. This one from Jay and Bart's Unknown. Hey, Derek. My name is Jay. This story happened when I was 16 or 17. 
I grew up about 45 minutes east of Cincinnati in Southern Ohio. And it was a super small town and we lived on the outskirts of it. So it was even more kind of desolate. So the house I grew up in was just like a typical ranch style house surrounded by woods. There was essentially no light pollution. You know, your neighbors were forever away. And my bedroom was on the back left corner of the house, kind of facing the woods. So I always slept with my TV on in my bedroom, but had it muted. It was more or less like a, I don't know, like a nightlight for me. It was mounted on the wall, like opposite my bed and maybe four and a half feet off of the ground. And on this particular night, I had laid down and was having trouble falling asleep. You know, I was in high school and had to go to school early in the morning. And so I was having a hard time falling asleep. So I sat up and kind of opened my eyes just to readjust in the bed. When I opened up my eyes, I looked over at my TV, which was on but muted. I saw these three like things standing in front of my TV. And since the TV was behind them, they were just kind of like silhouetted in the light. And a little like description about them, they were different heights. The one in the middle was like the tallest and it came up to maybe about the halfway up the TV. So we'll say like four feet. The one to its left was maybe two inches shorter than the one in the middle. And then the one to its right was maybe an inch shorter than that. So they were all three different heights and they were standing in front of the TV silhouetted. And I know it sounds like pretty cliche, but what I saw was that they were all, like they were completely bald, like completely bald. Their arms were down like to their sides, which I could see silhouetted from the TV behind them. And they had pretty like long fingers that went down to maybe before where you would expect a knee to be. They're super skinny. I couldn't see their faces, like I said, but I could see their movements. And you know how like when someone is standing, they're, they don't stand completely still. You know, they're not a statue. They kind of make little movements with their fingers or maybe sway just a little bit. I mean, that's exactly what they were doing. It looks like very organic, something that was tangible, you know, right there in front of me. And they were just staring at me. They didn't say anything. I didn't, you know, I hear all these stories, be able to telepathic, you know, communicate. I didn't hear anything. They were staring at me. And I was completely frozen. I was just terrified. I didn't know what to do. And I could barely move because I was, I was freaking out. And all I could do in that moment was sort of release my stomach muscles to fall back into my pillow. And I stayed awake the entire night, just staring at my ceiling and just you know, petrified because I didn't know what was happening. I couldn't do like I was, I was so, they were like, and to get to my door out of my bedroom, you would have had to go right past them. And there was no way I was going to go anywhere near where they were. <laughs> and so by the time I got enough up, like enough courage to look over in that direction again, it was maybe an hour or so later they were gone. They weren't there. TV was still running in the background. It was probably some infomercial and they were gone. And so I went to school the next day. I was exhausted and still petrified from the night before. And so I kept pretty silent, you know, for a few days. I did not want to talk because it sounded crazy. It's totally crazy. And then I had overheard a friend a few days later telling another friend of mine about something that had happened to him a few days prior. He was in his bedroom after school, 
and glanced over out his window and he said he saw something that he could only describe as like alien like looking back at him from like the big tree in his backyard and I hadn't said anything about what had happened to me or whatever but the way he was describing it it sounded exactly like the things that I saw in my room that were just staring at me I mean I this is I'm not I don't you know I, I'm very realistic and blah 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 if, if it were sleep paralysis I would have definitely known it was I would have chalked it up to sleep paralysis like I am not beyond I wouldn't put that you know like if that happened I guarantee you would be like okay that's what it was anything to make it seem less scary than it actually was but the dynamics and I thought it I'm like what was it and the dynamics of it were so not what I've heard about sleep I mean this is something I was very awake for I wasn't even asleep yet and I was sitting up I was looking at these things Anyway, I've told some close friends about this, friends for years, and at first they were like, okay, but now they're like, okay, that was was really freaky. And there was just some spooky stuff that happened, you know, out on that side of Cincinnati, if you can even call it that. I mean, it's like 45 minutes away. But regardless, I hope I hear this on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks. What do you think? Sinister intruders, sleep paralysis, or something else? And how do you explain what the friend claimed to have witnessed as well? Well, it's wild stuff, Jay, and we thank you for sharing it here with us tonight. That goes double for Justin and our anonymous caller. Now, having found myself as the gatekeeper of the mirrored men legend, I have my own thoughts on what might be happening. And one of the theories for the trio's existence that seems to be popping up more and more often, comments and fan mail, that sort of thing, is the thought that perhaps these entities are travelers from another time or even dimension. After all, authors on the subject, such as John Keel, have suggested that UFOs, cryptids, and other mysteries have an origin in other dimensions or other esoteric realms. And perhaps they are right. Maybe these entities do originate from a plane above ours. And as often hypothesized, the appearance of three identical beings is simply a visual byproduct of that dimensional change, suggesting that there is truly only one entity but... Due to the limits of our third-dimensional world, they appear to us split or replicated, sort of like the way a prism can separate light beams by color. Now, I'm by no means a scientist, nor do I consider myself to be a smart man. So this is where my conjecture stops, and the calls resume. This next one is from Season 11, Episode 15, and comes to us from Lisa in Minnesota. Hi, Derek. This is Lisa from Minneapolis, and I have a story for you. I lived in a small town in the 80s in Kansas. I lived in a small house, and by the way, I've had many experiences with paranormal, but this one puzzles me to this day. It was a hot night. I had big windows open in my tiny house in my bedroom, and before I went to sleep... I left a note for my boyfriend on the front door. He was playing cards with some friends and was going to come by later. So, mind you, we never 
locked doors. There was never any crime in the town, so it felt pretty normal to do that. And by the way, I was also like 19. I went to sleep reading a book, windows wide open, super hot, muggy, muggy night. I was just laying on top of my covers reading. About three in the morning, my roommate came in and she had a ball bat and she was freaking out. And she says, oh my God, somebody's outside. There's some people outside of our house. And I said, turn off the light. So she turned the light off. I went to the window, I looked out and there were two figures. They were kind of scaling the house and then they ran down the alley. And I was just like, what the hell, who the hell was that? And we thought, well, it's just two guys from high school. You know, they just seem like the type that would do it. But I just thought, well, that must have been two guys that we knew or something. So went back to bed, didn't really think too much about it. And, and then I realized my boyfriend wasn't there. So the next day I called him and I'm like, why didn't you come over? What was going on? He goes, I did. And you weren't there. And I said, shut up. I said, no way. I was sleeping. He said, no, you weren't. He said, I came over and I could tell you were in your room. Your windows were open. Your light was on, everything. He goes, and I just sat on the front stoop and waited for you, thinking maybe you walked down to get some cigarettes or something. So I smoked a couple cigarettes and waited. Never came. And I was just like, what are you talking about? I said, I was there. You know, I was just freaked out because where could I have been? I was in my bed. And then I said, okay, what did the note say? And he told me what it said word for word. So just freaked me out. Anyway, I just kept thinking, you're kidding me. You're kidding me. And he wasn't a person to do that. You know, he could trust him and knew he wouldn't mess around with, with me. So about five years later, I was at a wedding and I saw him. And I just said, this is really bothering me. Are you sure that you didn't? Are you sure you're not kidding? And he said, no, no, I'm not. I swear to God, I was not kidding. You were not there. And I still see the whole scene so perfectly, and I'm still so freaked out by it. But that was just one freaky thing that's happened to me out of hundreds. I have so many stories that I don't know why, but my girlfriend says that I'm a vessel for the paranormal. So I don't know. Uh, maybe I am. It wasn't quite unusual have something strange happen so thank you for letting me tell my story this is kind of fun finally being able to tell somebody that gets it okay bye-bye thanks lisa another possible experiencer that was completely unaware of this existing lore and sure not all the guidelines are there as they are often not for many of these calls that's why they're guidelines and not rules, necessarily. In fact, some of the parameters I said may not even have anything to do with these cosmic creatures. Abnormal weather, for instance. Not all the calls include that feature. Now, perhaps Lisa just left that detail out. She forgot it, or it didn't happen at all. But in my experience, a majority of these stories, at least most of the ones I consider to be genuine tend to include that detail. The point here is that it's a bit of a guessing game, and we're throwing things at the wall to see what sticks. So let's play another call and see how many of those parameters line up. Lauren from the Mitten. 
Welcome to the show. Hi, Derek. This is Lauren from the Detroit area, and I have called him before, and I've actually had a call played on the show, which is the coolest thing ever, by the way. But I was just listening to the most recent episode, and I think it was Jake's call about the mirrored men and I feel like a lot of times when I hear these calls I remember instances that have happened to me so this was probably about 10 to 12 years ago the person the boy I was dating at the time guy whatever I was really close with his family and his sister and I were the same age and we were friends and I was close with his mom so I would often stay the night there and sleep on the couch or whatever we'd crash out watching movies or tv or whatever and I remember his sister telling me this story about how she would always see these three entities walking across the hall and I was like oh you know that's really creepy you know and I would tell her you know your house kind of creeps me out at night like I I don't think it's haunted but it's just like a really dark feeling so one night I remember we had all kind of dozed off on the couch watching like a scary movie or whatever which I love all things creepy spooky so they never give me nightmares but I remember waking up and it was probably about 2.30 in the morning and seeing these three cloaked figures cross the hallway. And I remember just kind of being, like, paralyzed with fear to the point where I, like, couldn't move. And I was just sitting there staring at them. And the next thing I knew everyone was waking up it was like eight o'clock in the morning and they were like oh what are we having for breakfast let's start coffee type of thing and I just remember being like did you guys just see that the the three things walk across the hallway no no I didn't see that at all what are you talking about and somehow I lost like five and a half six hours so just thought it was interesting. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Hope you can use this. Have a great night. Now, if you want to check it out, Lauren's call originally aired on season 13, episode 4. And she describes a strange feeling at the home where these entities were witnessed. And this is complete conjecture here, but I fully expect a location where entities are slipping in and out of our dimension to feel just a little bit funky. I can't imagine that atmosphere is comfortable to be in, so I suppose that all checks out in my book. The missing time. Well, that just puts it over the top. So thank you again, Lisa, for calling in. How about we play one more call before we have to go pay some bills? Rob, from Season 8, Episode 8, in the state of Louisiana. Welcome back to the program. Hey Derek, Rob here. So I'm calling from New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm calling right now. I'm at the property where all this happened. It's kind of an odd location. And so let me just start by, I guess, describing it to you. So I just came outside and my, my partner, Elise and I, we bought a couple of vacant lots in this industrial part of town. I don't know if you can hear it. There's like a train going by right now. It's about 50 yards from the house. 
there's some different, you know, industrial companies. There's like a dumpster company that's about 100 yards away. There's a furniture repair place. There's a meat pie factory. Uh, and then there's also just some houses and some neighbors. But for the most part, it's just, you know, industrial stuff, vacant lots. But it's right in the middle of the city. So it's in this nexus between a couple of different highways, a couple of different train tracks, and also this kind of drainage canal that kind of cuts the neighborhood into a triangle. And all this is to say that it's really noisy here. And so I'm a teacher. I'm a GED teacher at the community college. I teach night classes. But then when I come home at night, I also write songs. I write stories and things like that. And I usually do it in the bathroom, which I know is kind of a weird place to do that. But, you know, like I said, we we don't have a ton of space because we're just building it little piece by piece. And so we kind of basically have an outhouse that's connected to the house we live in by a porch and so I go into the outhouse bathroom slash recording studio kind of place to make songs or whatever so a few nights ago I get home from work and I go into the bathroom to just try to play some music and I sat down and I have this old broken guitar and it's not super in tune or anything but it was late at night when I started this maybe like 10 p.m. or so but It's usually pretty loud at night, loud during the day. You know, like I say, middle of the city. I'm in there, and I just start kind of playing this riff. This is the part, it's it's not terribly out of the ordinary, uh, this part, but it's, again, it's worth mentioning that, like, sometimes I'll be in the bathroom and I'll just play for a while, and I can hear all the things going on outside. There's rats skittering by underneath the outhouse. There's possums up in the tree. There's, you know, birds. We have two cats. You know, there's just, you know, ambulances going by. There's gunshots off in the distance. It's just, you know, it's a city. And a city in America, at least. So I'm playing this song, and I kind of get into this repetitive, almost hypnotic state with it. And I start just kind of singing, you know, whatever comes to my mind. And the thing that comes to my mind is this one by one, two by two, three by three. And I just start kind of saying it over and over and over again. I'm not really thinking about it. I'm just playing music, just kind of babbling to myself, which probably sounds weird. But, you know, I don't know. That's how I write. And then I'm doing this for a while. I'm not quite sure how long I'm doing this for. But I think it's maybe because I've been listening to your podcast a lot, which I love. And... I get the mirrored men stuck in my head, which scare the crap out of me, (laughs) like a lot of your listeners. I I don't know what it is. It's just, I don't get freaked out very often by by spooky stuff, but there's something about the mirrored men, and uh, I can't can't explain it. So I think it's the number three, the three by three that makes me start thinking about these mirrored men, and when I started thinking about it, I'm still playing the song, I'm still kind of doing this almost this chant and I'm aware this sounds weird but I don't know how long this is going on for but eventually I'm like you know what I'm gonna write a mirrored men song because it's October it's spooky time and you know I do this thing where I try to write a song every week and then I share it and in October I try to write you know spooky songs and so I'm like oh that's this is perfect I'll do a mirrored men kind of song. So I listened to a couple of the clips. I'm, I'm kind of searching around on your podcast and I'm listening to the different ones. And I, you know, I start getting myself all worked up and freaked out a little bit. You know, I, maybe I record a little bit and I'm just kind of pr- playing that riff over and over and over again, this kind of hypnotic thing. And 
all of a sudden I I just I kind of stopped for a second. I don't know why I stopped, but I you know, I stopped. And everything is silent. Everything outside, at least, is silent, which never happens here. It's the middle of the city. There's just stuff going on always. So you could always just hear this white noise. And it's just completely silent, which I've never heard before. I put the guitar down for a second, and I was just listening. It's not that the creatures and the insects and everything are quiet like it would be in the woods if you started walking through the woods. It's just silent. Like, there's no, there's no cars there's no white noise, there's no train sounds, there's no gunshots in the distance, there's no nothing. And it sets off this really freaky feeling in me. Like, it's, it's just, it sounds unnaturally quiet. So, I have my grandfather's hunting knife. He made it in the 40s. He was in World War II, he liked to make stuff, he made this hunting knife, it's kind of like a family heirloom. And I keep it in the bathroom there because... I use it for all kinds of different things, but in that moment, I put the guitar down, I get the hunting knife for some reason, I don't know what I'm going to do, stab the silence, but I, it just like, it, it, I, I, I had this kind of fight or flight fear take over me, so I get the hunting knife, I'm there in my underwear, because I'm at my house, just holding this knife, and listening to the silence, and I listen, and it's just, it's just, it's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. And I want to kind of go outside, but I have this, just this primal fear take over me that's almost like there's this thing in my head that says, like, don't go outside. There's something weird going on outside right now. And so I've got my ear to the door. I'm holding this old knife, standing there in my underwear, and I'm, like, getting up the courage to go outside, stone-cold sober, and... The thing that breaks the silence is it's my cat, Gator. I hear the cat flap, the, the cat door, and I hear him come out, and he goes, ow, which he kind of has this, like, he sounds like he, he's asking a question. And immediately the moment he does that, all the sounds come back. All the white noise, all the trains, all of the ambulance in the distance, the rustling wind. I couldn't even hear wind in that moment. Everything kind of comes back. It was almost like he had broke the silence. But what it sounded like to me, it was as though everything, the trees, the houses, the highway, just everything's just holding its breath for a moment or had been paused for a moment. And then it got broken by my loud cat. Uh, which is kind of funny, but it, it also kind of broke the, the fear in me hearing him. So I go outside, I pet him, I look around, everything looks normal. But I go back inside and I go back into the bathroom. I pick up the guitar and I'm like, I'm gonna, I gotta get this song done so I can get some sleep. And I look at the clock and it is 5 a.m. <laughs> and, uh, which is crazy, you know, I, I, I go back outside, I look around, and yeah, the, the light's starting to change, like the sun is coming up. And so, I think I mentioned at the beginning, I started this at like 10 p.m., I couldn't have played music for more than, you know, two hours tops, I don't even think that long. And I listened to the silence for like, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes maybe, just standing there with, with the knife in my underwear, just freaking myself out, and now somehow it's 5 a.m., which... 
is bizarre because I'm thinking about the mirrored men, which are related to lost time. And I get into this zone about it. I'm playing this song about it. And then I lose, like, what, five hours of time all of a sudden? And, yeah, it, it freaked me out. So... I was just like, I'm I'm done for the night. I'll get back to the song later. I finished it the next day. But I'm a bit uh, somewhat of a skeptic, you know? Like, I, I get a kick out of this kind of stuff. I like your podcast. That's the first time that I've noticed uh, a time slip or anything or a t- lost time. And I don't really know what it means. I know that just from listening to your podcast and other ones, some people have suggested that all the paranormal weird stuff is all kind of intertwined and that... The reason that it sets off this kind of spooky fear in us is because the whatever the fear part of your brain or the adrenaline that gets released, it somehow taps into this stuff. I don't know. I probably just freaked myself out because it was late at night and I was thinking about the mirrored men, but I thought it was worth sharing because it was kind of interesting. I've never heard that kind of silence before. Um, and I'm really grateful for Gator for coming out and breaking it with his meow. I appreciate you. Talk to you later. Thanks, Derek. story and song being a big hit when it first aired several years ago. So many thanks, Rob, for submitting both. Now, if you're not careful, that tune will get stuck in your head all day. No word yet on if it attracts the mirrored man. But I can speak from experience when I say it. Keeps you thinking about them. And now, having played that song dozens of times in preparation for this episode... I'll let you know if I notice anything unusual. Now, of course, dreams and delusions aren't the only quote-unquote logical explanations for these terrifying beings. Do you remember this news story I shared all the way back on Season 2, Episode 4? Perhaps activity like this can offer up some explanation to at least some of these unexplainable stories. The mystery story going viral on Facebook dealing with suspicious men in black west of the Quad Cities. The Muscatine County Sheriff's Department confirms it's getting reports of men dressed in black standing in the middle of the road or jumping out of ditches along Highway 22. Sheriff C.J. Ryan posted about the reports on Facebook and it's gotten a lot of attention. We hope that if people are engaging in this type of activity that they stop because it can be dangerous to some degree and I think that eventually it will die out on social media and everybody will move on to the next problem. <laughs> the sheriff's office says if you see anything like this going on, call 911 when it's happening. Yeah. They're right now chalking it up to just a juvenile prank that went viral because of the power of social media. That clip property of WQAD, ABC News 8 out of Davenport. And those mysterious men in black 
were popping up in and around Muscatine, Iowa, all the way back in the summer of 2016. No, I'm not making any accusations here, simply offering up one of the many explanations for these mysterious men. And perhaps it is something along the lines of a prank or mistaken identity. And maybe that's what happened to Sam, Courtney, and John. Hi, Derek. This is Sam from Indiana. I've told you before, I, I love listening to your podcast. On third shift, it keeps me awake, but I was not prepared for what I heard today on one of your earlier seasons. Season one, I'm listening through from the beginning. And, okay, so I, you were asking back in season one about encounters with with the mirrored men, which when I first heard the first story about it, it sent chills through my spine because I, I think I might have encountered them before. So I was, I was going into work one morning, well, evening, you know, depending on how you look at it, but it was about um, 11 p.m. This was last year. It was warm outside, so it was sometime either late spring through early fall. And I remember I had gone out to my car and looked down my street, and I've got a very poorly lit street, but it's not a busy street at all. And my back porch light is actually the, the brightest light on the street, and it, it kind of shines out quite a ways. But there's a major road, uh, a highway that runs down at the end of my street, and that one is well lit. And when I was going out to my car, I'm, I'm always kind of creeped out because there's a, a blind wall where there's a blind corner, I should say, where there's a wall of my house that when I go past it to go to my car, I, I can't see until I'm right there. So I'm always, you know, jumpy and worried there's going to be something on, on the other side. Well, I went out, and of course there wasn't, but when I went and looked down the street, there were not three men, but there were two men walking side by side, and it was eerie. The, the way they were walking, the best way I know to describe it, it was almost like, not quite dancing, but they were kind of walking to the left and to the right, and when one would move to the left and to the right, the other would do the exact same, and really creeped me out. There's a liquor store down the road from where I live, so I, I was thinking that maybe, you know, it's, it's two guys that got drunk, you know, this maybe walking home, or there's several bars around. I thought maybe they're walking home and just you know, maybe doing some kind of weird walk, and that might still be the case, but I heard that story, and it just gave me chills, because at the time, it, it just gave me a weird, eerie feeling. I didn't lose any time. There was no other indication um, of, of anything out of the ordinary other than these two men walking side by side in this, this weird way that, I mean, mirrored men is the best way to describe it, and I really appreciate you having those stories on there, because I'm going to be on the lookout from now on. If, if that was something that, you know, other people are witnessing, that's, that's a pretty terrifying thing to hear, so um, I really appreciate your podcast, and I will definitely be more wary of groups of men walking in a, in a mirrored fashion from here on out. Thanks, Derek. Hi, Derek. My name's Courtney, and um, new to the podcast, I love it. I actually discovered you guys from Paranormal Call on Camera. I was like, Monsters Among Us, and I see you talk. And so I checked it out, and I was like, oh, this is pretty neat. So anyways, I'm sharing one of the episodes with my mom the other night about the mirrored men, just because we like to talk about, you know, paranormal and supernatural things. And she reminded me of a story my um, grandmother had told when I was younger. She had told my mom when they were younger, and she would tell us kids and grandkids and stuff when we were younger, and I had forgotten all about it until my mom mentioned it after we got done listening to one of your podcasts about the mirrored men. And I was like, hmm, I forgot about that. So I'm not sure, like, date, time, 
that kind of stuff. But it was summer, and it was in South Dakota. And I I don't think it was on I-90. I think it was on, like, a kind of a backwoods two-lane highway driving from Winter, South Dakota, which is in the middle of the state, headed towards, like, the Black Hills area, which is in the southwestern corner of the state. And it was just my grandma and my grandpa, and they're driving. My grandpa's actually driving behind the wheel. My grandma's the passenger. And as they're driving, this car all of a sudden appears behind them, goes around them, and then probably stops maybe 100, 200 yards in front of them in the middle of the road. And my grandma was like, what the heck? And my grandpa kind of got upset about it. And as they got closer, my grandpa, of course, was slowing down because he didn't know what was going on. And all three doors opened up at the same time. So the driver's side, passenger side front, and then passenger side back all opened at the exact same time. And three men in black all stepped out at the exact same time. My grandma never mentioned anything about their movements being slow, but she said they were like identical. They all got out at the same time, shut their doors at the same time, and they all had black hats and like black suits, black shoes. And my grandma had told my grandpa just to speed up. She said, don't slow down, don't stop, just speed up and go around them as safely and quickly as possible. And she said, just don't even look at them, Paul. Just don't even look. We don't even see them, you know, except to go around them and just keep going. She was kind of freaked out, she said, in the moment, and they weren't quite sure really what was going on. Later telling us the story, she thought maybe they were going to rob them or something, you know, because they were on this backwards road that wasn't really busy. And it was daytime, though. It wasn't like night or anything. It was the middle of the day. So they go around them and they keep going. And my grandma's like telling my grandpa, Paul, don't look back, you know, keep driving, keep driving, keep driving. And my grandma said she happened to look in the outside mirror. And she noticed too that they all had black sunglasses on. And that was it. They just saw them. But, you know, I'm not sure if there was ever any missing time or anything. My grandparents have both now passed away, so I can't ask those questions. I was going to ask my mom if maybe she remembers any other details about the story. Because like I said, I had forgotten. And it has been years since I've heard that story. I'm 40 now. And my grandma would tell that story when I was probably, you know, 8 to 12, I would say. Because I remember hearing it more than once when we would, you know, sit outside and look up at the stars and watch for UFOs and all that stuff. But she would always tell us a few scary stories. And that was always one that I remember her telling a few times. So... I will ask my mom if she ever remembers if my grandma said that they were missing time or if the men that got out of the car were moving slow. But my grandma recounted the story. She never mentioned either one of those. But um, she always called them the men in black. And this was before I had even heard the term, I think, or even before men in black term was coined. So anyways, love the show. Keep it up. And sorry I was so late to find you, but I'm glad that I found you. Hope all is well. Thanks. Hey Derek, my name's John, and I'm one of those repeat offenders. This story deals with the mirrored men and reflects back to the special you had several seasons ago based on the mirrored men. My event takes place just outside of Troutman, North Carolina on Interstate 77. And to preface this, I want to say that 
The one lady that I heard on this Mirrored Men special, we have something in common, so I want her to know that she's not crazy. But here is the story. Back in 2000, uh, this event occurred that I had chalked up to just being phenomenally tired due to the fact that I was working long hours, going home, coming back, working long hours, that sort of thing. But as I got to just shy of exit 42 in Troutman, North Carolina, it's an area where there's nothing but, you know, farming and fields and that sort of thing, no houses really. I'm looking up and the weird thing is, is my missing time occurred beforehand. But I look up out of the windshield of my car, it's probably between 11.30 and 12 o'clock at night. And walking across the highway, I see three men all walking in step across the highway. But the weird thing is, they're all wearing monk robes, much like the lady that I heard on your special of the mirrored men. And when I heard this, my jaw hit the floor, basically. So I just want you to know that this lady and I saw the same thing. Don't know if it's mirrored men, but it's certainly odd. But listen, love the podcast. Love what you do. Keep doing it, man. We love it. All right. Thank you for your time. Bye. Those stories from Season 9, Episode 13, Season 10, Episode 2, and Season 14, Episode 5, respectively. Now, before I continue, I should say that over the years, many of you have sent in several external references to the Mirrored Men legend. I've compiled a lot of them into tonight's show notes. You can find them at monstersamonguspodcast.com and by clicking on the show notes tab. And while you're there, the Monsters Among Us shop is now completely stocked. And those new Mothman hats, tees, and totes are in stock and ready to go off the shelf. So again, that's monstersamonguspodcast.com. And this time, click the shop tab. Now there is one more category that listeners use to bring order to this chaotic plot. And of course, that explanation is aliens. And the infamous Men in Black. And you know this is a theory with some historical facts that we can sort of sink our teeth into. Tell me that this segment, taken from a 1993 journal of abnormal psychology called Close Encounters, an examination of UFO experience, doesn't sound at least a little bit familiar. I was home folding diapers. I heard the front door open, looked at my watch, which read 710, and figured it was my husband coming home from work. I heard footsteps coming up the stairs, and as they reached the top of the stairs, I could see two figures walking in unison, so that the footsteps sounded like one set of feet. They were about five foot four, slight, with something over their heads. The next thing I knew, I was in the middle of folding a diaper, and it was 9.30 p.m. I had lost two and a half hours. Now... Tell me that Reese's entry from Season 14, Episode 17, doesn't sound oddly similar as well. Hey Derek, it's Reese. So, I know a big thing on the podcast, I'm not sure about recently, but I know Mirrored Men. 
And I had never had an encounter with mirror men until about eight months ago. And I was outside fishing, and I do a lot of fishing. We are in a very suburban area, and there's always people walking their dogs. And a lot of people know dogs have a sixth sense. They can see other stuff and sense stuff. Well, I had always had very good connections with animals, and all of a sudden, this dog walked by and I was going to pet it because I already knew this dog. And it started biting at me, like snapping. Well, 10 minutes before this, I had saw three identical men. And I could see through them, but the weird thing is, I could see facial. And they were walking down the street side by side, like in unison. And then all of a sudden, they like disappeared, like out of nowhere. They walked one more step and then boom, gone. And then they showed up right beside me and all of a sudden I was frozen I couldn't move I was frozen in fear or I don't know if it's fear or like you could explain it like if you're like ever been held at gunpoint I haven't personally but I know a friend that was and I was just frozen I couldn't move like I was trying to scream but words couldn't come out of my mouth and all of a sudden I blink and they're gone and I can see again the weird thing was after that my Fishing stuff had been, like, torn open and emptied out all over the ground. And I'm not sure if that was done by a mirror men or vandals or whatever. But I was scared, and I just gathered my stuff up, and I ran. I ran home. But, yeah, thanks for the chance. It's Reese from Texas. Thank you. Thanks, Reese. Abducted while fishing. Good Lord, is nothing sacred to these monsters. Well, we thank you, Reese, for calling in. And what a truly terrifying experience. And how unmistakably mirrored man it was. But in a strange way, it also had that alien abduction ring to it. Now, Reese talked of being paralyzed to an extent, a detail often given by survivors of an alleged alien abduction. Reese also spoke of the entities having teleportation capabilities. And you often hear the reports of abductees claiming that alien beings suddenly appeared, almost as if they teleported or materialized through a mirror, window, or wall. In fact, one of the earliest Men in Black encounters that we know of, and coincidentally a case with three identical figures, also features creatures that simply manifest in a man's bedroom. Back in 1952... Author and researcher Albert K. Bender was atop the newly conceptualized UFO phenomena that was sweeping the country in the early 1950s. Until the day that he wasn't. Albert K. Bender founded the International Flying Saucer Bureau. This was during the big UFO flap of 1952 when flying saucers were witnessed over Washington, D.C. and many other areas around the world. And this organization blew up big within that first year. However, just a year later, he suddenly ended the International Flying Saucer Bureau, and people wondered why. And what happened was that he came home one night, went into his bedroom, and suddenly these three dark, shadowy figures materialized through his wall into his bedroom. They were wearing the hats and the overcoats. They had glowing eyes, and they smelled like sulfur. According to Bender, the three entities communicated with him through telepathy, warning him to discontinue his UFO research 
and stopped publishing his influential magazine, The Space Review. Afterwards, he became ill and didn't eat for three days. After this experience, Bender was repeatedly visited. He said they gave him headaches, they, they controlled him telepathically, and he ultimately gave up his UFO researches and stopped publishing the Space Review, in which he documented UFO sightings throughout the world. That clip courtesy of the program, Ancient Aliens. Three dark, mysterious figures. Here we go again. Well, I'll tell you what. If the tale that Reese just told doesn't have you convinced of some sort of UFO-alien connection, perhaps Blake's entry from Season 14, Episode 8, will. Hello, Derek. Big fan of the show, mate. Don't watch too much TV, so you and a few other podcasts keep us going most of the time. I just wanted to shoot you this in. Thought you and the listeners might be interested in this story. A little bit of info, I've worked around Australia as a contract welder, uh, mustra, a few other things, but mainly that. So I've been pretty much uh, all throughout uh, in pretty remote areas, lived out of cars and trucks, gone from cattle stations to cattle stations. So I just want to put it in context, I've been to some pretty remote areas and lived in some pretty rural areas where there's not much around. This story comes from when I was uh, living in between uh, cattle stations. I was on a little bit of a holiday visiting some family and then checking out some spots in the town I used to live I'm on the south coast of Australia. I was on, I'd say two or three weeks holiday. I was camping in on a little spot off a water catchment, like a dam, this little area. It wasn't too remote of a campsite. It was out of the way. There wasn't much near the place. There is a Navy base there that will sort of have a bit of play in the story. I had been to this camping spot before. I was setting up the... I had a Subaru... Forester all decked out with the yeah you know, like overlanding type stuff, the awnings and all the stuff in the back and whatnot. I was getting all that set up, got camp going, hadn't drank any alcohol or taken any drugs at this time. Setting up camp and all of a sudden in the sky you could hear I couldn't see anything, but it sounded like the start of thunder, but there was no pitch or bang crack. It was just the bang sound, like the and then just continuous and loud in the sky, like booming loud, guttural, so much that you could feel it like a like a plane taking off. And it lasted for like 40 or 50 seconds, went away, came back again, I think that happened like two or three times, this this noise in the sky. A few hours past, the noise went away. This was in the afternoon, so this was a few hours past into the evening. I'd had tea. I think I was making a coffee, getting ready to go to bed. I didn't have a tent or anything set up. I just had the awning um, off the side with a bit of gear outside and the bed in the back of the car, truck, whatever you want to call them over there, um, set up. 
So I'm going to bed. I've finished coffee, having a cigarette. I'm about to go to sleep. All of a sudden, you hear this helicopter. And I know there's a Navy base close, so I'm not too stressed about a helicopter. But I hear the helicopter starting to land. And I'm in a big clearing. Like I say, this is like a dam. You keep going down a little while, and there's a little campground. There's uh, water access for canoes, kayaks, and this sort of thing. Um, no power boats or anything. Anyway, helicopter. So I sit up in the. I'm in the car. I'm in bed at this point. So I sit up in bed. I'm having a look around. Not asleep. I've only just gone to bed. Like just packed up, gone to bed. Here, a helicopter. Looking around at where this thing's going to land. We're in a pretty big clearing. Like I say, I. My little ramble there was meant to conclude with this is a campground. There was a little bit of land where it could have landed there, all cleared, and there was a toilet right up the back. So there was a fair bit of space for this thing to land, but it seemed to land in the track coming into the campground that had gum trees along each side of it instead of landing in the actual campground itself where it wouldn't have been close to trees or anything like this. Uh, definitely was not a car. I've worked on cattle stations. I've been in helicopters. I've worked around uh, the R22s. They're a pretty small helicopter, but even when you get up close to them, they're pretty big. They're big enough, especially with the width of the rotors. So I couldn't work out why it landed where it landed. But I was looking, having a look, and I, I couldn't see any rotors on the helicopter. You know, granted, it was dark, but there was a light coming from the helicopter. The only way I can explain it was I couldn't see where the light was coming from. It wasn't like a torch that was turned on that was shining light. I could see three or four figures. This is where it was sort of, sort of getting into the mirrored men thing that you guys have been talking about. I could see these three or four figures standing in front of the helicopter, only dark. You can only make out the shape of the people. But as I was saying about the light, there were, I, I couldn't see them because the light was like it was liquid or a gas that was like floating along and like illuminating everything it touched. But you couldn't see the gas. It was only light, if that makes sense. It was a real weird scenario. Anyway, after I seen the light and seen what was going on here with the rotors, I just felt really, really tired. Thought, yep, this is a good time to go to bed. I remember... The last sort of thought I had was I was looking out of the window and the light was illuminating me, but not what I was trying to see. Like, I couldn't see them. And I just thought, no, hang on, this isn't good. I just feel like prey in a bloody spotlight here. And then, yeah, bang, I'm tired. I better go to bed. I can't really remember what happened the next day. I think it was just a normal day. I woke up and went about everything and that was it, mate. Yeah. I don't know, pretty weird random story, but I thought you guys might like it. I'm pretty sure it was three or four men standing in unison, like on that bit of a slant too that you guys were talking about, which sort of, yeah, I don't know. Let me know what you think. Cheers. Bye. Now he's talking about strange lights and sounds in the sky, a mysterious helicopter, and of course, the suggestion of possible missing time. Or at the very least, he seemed influenced to call it a night. So could this be more alien activity? Could the helicopter suggest some sort of government involvement and or intervention? 
does that put us back in the territory of the infamous MIB, the Men in Black? Now, I was listening to an old episode of Midnight in the Desert a few months back, one of Art Bell's many radio programs, and he had investigator author Nick Redfern on, and they were discussing the Men in Black, and Nick said something that caught my ear, so of course I had to record it. For me, it's difficult not to see the relevancy here. Here is Mr. Redfern in reference to the men in black, courtesy of Midnight in the Desert. So in other words, Bender did prompt some people to come forward who claimed earlier reports with the men in black, but had Bender's story not been the first one that got so popularized, those other ones probably wouldn't have come forward. I wonder if the three wise men were counseled that, that, no, you don't see that star. Well, you know, that's interesting because, as I said, Bender's book was called Flying Saucers and the Three Men. And the reason why it was called that is because typically the men in black turn up in groups of three. Mm. And there have been reports of one and two, uh, but for the most part, it's three. So, you know, that, that's an interesting angle. <laughs> well. And you know, it turns out it all goes further back than that. For example... Here's a clip of infamous Mothman Prophecies author John Keel discussing a similar phenomena and a lecture all the way back in 1989. The men in black really are not anything new. There, there are many references in the Bible which could be interpreted as men in black type incidents because they, uh, although they're called angels, they're usually where they were in threes, as our modern men in black are, they travel in threes, and they they got into all sorts of mischief. Uh, you remember the three men who went to Sodom and Gomorrah and warned the the innocent people, the few innocent people there. That was, today that would be interpreted as a men in black incident, because a men in black is a generic term. It doesn't cover just uh, the men in black and black Cadillacs who, sh- who arrive at uh, the scene of UFO incidents. As I'll describe to you later, there are all kinds of men in black. Uh, they're mystery men. And we don't know who they are, where they come from, or who's supporting them. And some of these people apparently have a lot of logistical support and financial support that's very mysterious. And if that relationship wasn't enough to convince one that there may be some sort of cosmic connection with our coordinated comrades, allow me to reintroduce you to an anonymous caller out of the state of New York. Originally heard on season 12, episode 12. My name is I want to remain anonymous. And here's my story. I had been newly engaged to a young man and he took me to a dealership to look for a car and the family that owned the dealership was extremely wealthy I noticed that the, the gentleman the young gentleman who's probably like May 29 30 couldn't take his eyes off of me it made me feel very uncomfortable okay I was engaged a couple of weeks later I'm in this club with my girlfriends didn't drink and there's two levels I'm on the second level and I see these Three men come in dressed in suits. They had like a glow about them and they seemed to be doting on this one person. And somehow in my mind, I knew that was the man I had seen at the dealership. 
so I, I ignored it and I'm standing there and all of a sudden I felt this burning charge go through my back like from head to toe and I turned around and I saw this vision of a giant galaxy out in outer space. Now this was pre-Hubble and I had never imagined or seen anything like this or didn't know anything about outer space, aliens, nothing. And I became so frightened. I just became shuddering. And this man came to me and he said, did you see what happened when I looked at you? And I said, what was that? And he said, that's the galaxy I come from. And there were two other gentlemen with him and the one gentleman had started reading my mind and talking about a friend I had who was a professor. He said, I know your friend, the professor from this small town in Peru. And he literally named the town and I'm freaking out. So after that, I was like, you know, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I just kept shuddering. I told him, yes, I'll call you. I'll call you. Even though I was engaged, but I had no intention. And the following weeks, I was so frightened to go back to my apartment because I just felt like somebody was watching me. And I kept saying to myself, it's in the sky, it's in the sky, it's in the sky. Then after that, there was this cascade of years of bizarre experience. Let's fast forward now. I talked to somebody who is famous, I'll leave him nameless, who was an alien hunter and he was with the CIA and I spoke to him about everything and told him everything that happened to me subsequently, like losing a pregnancy, uh, an embryo disappearing in my body after I got married, you know, all these other bizarre goings on. And he confirmed everything I had gone through. And then miraculously, strangely, the email address I had for 10 years was wiped out of the site. And I kept going in, they said, no email such as this exists. My correspondence with this alien hunter just completely disappeared off the map. And it was extremely freaky. And I just knew that everything I had gone through was real. And it's frightening beyond any imagination you could have in this world. And totally true. I am sane. I have never been treated for mental illness. I have no medical conditions. This really, really happened. Okay, another part of this alien piece. Later in time, I found out like I was maybe six weeks pregnant. And in a couple of nights, I found myself waking up and it was not a dream. There's a difference between a dream and an experience. This was an experience and I was in absolute agony. And I opened my eyes and these people in surgical garb were around me, but they were not people. They had these giant black shiny eyes they looked Asian and I was like stop please no you're hurting me and I looked down and I saw this black oozing liquid all over my abdomen and it's funny because years later I saw the Travis Walton movie and he described some black oozy stuff and that was what was all over and this is before that movie came out and when I looked at this one creature with the surgical cap he gave me the most evil look, like he was enjoying hurting me, and it was horrible. So anyway, lo and behold, a couple of days later, I go to get an ultrasound, and they tell me that there's no baby there, there's no evidence of a placenta, there's no nothing, everything's gone, and I'm not pregnant, it's completely gone, and the doctor was baffled by this, 
And within a day, I got the worst abdominal infection with the 104 fever, where he said, if you don't get well over the weekend with this antibiotic, go to the emergency room immediately. So whatever went on, I'm telling you, they took my fetus. There was no evidence of it. That was one of many experiences. Well, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Now, if I'm honest, that sounds like something straight out of a Men in Black movie. And if what she's claiming is to be believed, we are undoubtedly discussing some sort of alien abduction. In fact, much of what her caller mentioned goes in line with hundreds of other similar claims made over the years. In other words, as wild as her claims are, I've heard them all before. But you may be wondering to yourself, what does all this have to do with the mirrored men? Well, her caller calls back to help us make that connection. Hi, this is... I had called in with a story about an encounter with aliens that literally came into a club that I was in and one of them literally made me see this galaxy. I never knew mirrored men existed, but I had called you in the past with my experience with meeting the actual mirrored men that came into a nightclub where I was. It seemed like everything shut down. I, I already left the story for you, but I never knew what that was. But remember, if you re- go back and listen to my original call-in, I said that he, he had said to me, we're mirror images. That's how he described himself. We are mirror images. So I just want to validate with you, as far as the mirrored men, I met mirrored men, and that's exactly what they were and what he told me he was. Well, anyway, just a little tidbit of information for you. Thank you. There you have it. Straight from the mouth of someone that just might have met a mirrored man. Now, despite all these first-hand accounts, historical mentions, and parallel pop culture, we still have no answers as to what this phenomena actually is. Who are the mirrored men? Where do they come from? Are they as dangerous as they appear? And do they even exist in the first place? Now, I will continue to collect and compile stories as they come in. And as always, I'll keep my ears open for outside sources. Beyond Creepy on YouTube and Timothy Renner's Strange Familiars podcast seems to be the other mirrored man hotspots on the web. If you're out there looking for a deep dive. Of course, Reddit and Lon Strickler's Phantoms and Monsters aren't a bad start either. But for now, I leave you with some advice that was shared with us all the way back in early season two. If you ever see three men moving in a funny sort of way, all the same. Look away and walk away, calm as you can, like you didn't see anything out of the ordinary. Just look away and walk away, calm as you can. And that's going to do it for this special episode. A huge thanks for hanging out with us here this evening. I know this episode was a long one. I want to thank Delaney Bowers for all her help with the research for this and every episode. And a reminder to those Patreon supporters, 
I didn't have time to put an episode together this week, but I'll be back next week with a brand new installment. Now, Monsters Among Us was written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support was provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Delaney Bowers. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And please do us a favor and follow us on social media. Find us over at YouTube as well. And while you're online, please rate and review the show wherever that sort of thing is possible. Five stars and a few kind words go a long, long way to help this show grow. And finally, tonight's score was provided by Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, Co.H.E. Music, and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep your eyes peeled out there. And remember what I said. Look away and walk away. Calm as you can. Have a good night. secret entry. And this one covers a category that I did not. Frankly, one I never thought to cover. What if these things are biological in nature? Please welcome back to the program, Cody, out of my state of California. Hey Derek, this is Cody from California slash Tennessee. I've called in a few times. I've been paying more attention to the mirrored men the more and more I hear. And a lot of the things pop up being a, well, just studying biology and everything. Most people say that they have very large mouths, like they stretch from ear to ear, like a frog, which most frogs swallow their prey whole. Considering this thing moves as slow as most people say, it's very possible that, well, let me start over. Everyone says they lose track of time whenever they look at the mirror men for long. It's very possible as slow as they move, that might be a defense mechanism and whatever they use to actually stun things that they can actually eat, if they do eat, if they are real. Considering that the mouths are and how biology usually works, they, it would make sense that they would have a way to stun their prey so they could swallow it whole, especially if they can't move very fast. It, obviously, not ambush predators if they don't have any kind of quick burst of speed. Another thing is, is it possible that it's not actually three, but it's one that has some kind of either 
native ability or some kind of technology that almost makes you look like you're seeing double, but instead triple. If they're that slow and they get attacked or something, it raises the odds of the real one not actually getting hit. There's even a Dungeons and Dragons spell that's tailored after this. And I mean, we don't see it in our ecosystem really because I don't know, is obviously the thing isn't native to our ecosystem. It's the oddity. Yeah, most people claim to see it like in, in the woods and stuff, which honestly will make sense to me if they're that way going around stunning and eating squirrels or whatever small things they can actually get in their mouths. I don't know, it was just just listening to it, my brain started working on it. But what if it's just one thing that has a pretty advanced defense system to make up for its slow speed? I mean, as, as far as everything else considered, it's not that far-fetched. I don't know, just something to chew on and a different perspective to uh, look at it. All right, thanks, Derek. Have a good day. Let's hope that squirrels are the only thing they're eating. Thank you, Cody, for the interesting concept. And not one without its anecdotal evidence, of course. For example, I shared this story during some past Mirrored Man coverage. And now I think it's more relevant than ever. The following article was pulled from a Flying Saucer Review special issue. The Humanoids, 1966. Branch Hill 2 In attempting to track down the the under-the-bridge case, Stringfield, with the help of Ted Blecker of CSI Civilian Saucer Investigations, New York, ferreted out a case which is probably more illuminating than the others with which he dealt. At about 4 a.m. on a morning in March 1955, Mr. R.H. of Loveland, Ohio, was driving through Branch Hill on his way to Loveland. His headlights suddenly illuminated what appeared to be three men kneeling at the right-hand side of the road. He first thought that someone was hurt, so he stopped his car to have a better look. It was then that he discovered that the figures were non-human, about three feet tall and grayish in color, including their clothing. The clothing appeared to be tight-fitting and stretched over a lopsided chest, which appeared abnormally large on the right side and bulging from the shoulder to the armpit. Over this bulbous area hung a slender arm, which appeared much longer than the opposite member. Legs and feet were not discernible because they were obscured by the vegetation in which the entity stood, but the observer got the impression of something baggy. The heads of these creatures, said R.H., reminded him of a frog's face, mostly because of the appearance of the mouth. It was a thin line cutting across the smooth, gray face. The eyes, which lacked brows, looked normal. The nose was indistinct, and the top of the head appeared to have a painted-on hair effect, comprised of what looked like rolls of fat running horizontally from above the eyes over or around the whole head. Mr. R.H. said the middle one of the three, which was closest to him, was first seen with his arms raised about a foot above his head and appeared to be holding a dark-colored chain or stick which gave off blue-white sparks. As R.H. approached, the entity lowered the object to about the area of the ankle. 
the observer said he wanted to approach closer to the creatures, but by the time he reached the area of the front fender of his car, one of them made an unnatural move toward him, as if motioning him not to move in. So for about the next three minutes, he simply stood and looked, too amazed to be afraid. Stringfield closes this incident before summing up with the cryptic remark, the next thing he knew, he was on his way to Fritz's office, chief of police. That was masterfully read by good friend David Flora. Go check out his many shows, Blurry Photos, Quiz Quiz Bang Bang, and as one-third of the show, Hysteria 51. And you remember all the way back to Catherine's call, where she mentioned one of the three entities she saw carried something long in its hands. It all comes full circle. The coincidences that surround this phenomena are difficult to fathom. But we sure do appreciate other views. So big thanks, Cody, for the call. A big thanks to David Flora for lending us pipes. And a monumental thanks to you for tuning in and contributing to the program. Now, we worked extremely hard to bring you this special episode. So this is where we ask for a little something in return. If you enjoyed this show or any of our programming, please take a moment to share with the folks in your life. If you have an aunt that's into ghosts, a cousin that likes Bigfoot, turn them on to the program. Maybe you see some dude in a Bigfoot shirt on the bus. Hit him with an elbow and ask him if he's a listener. That sort of grassroots growth is invaluable to us and to our future. So thank you in advance. Now, if you don't mind, I can't shake this urge to go peek outside of my window. Y'all have a good night.